Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action, the podcast. Today, I'm honored to be joined by a true champion of women's empowerment. Sandra Folletti is a professional educator who has dedicated her life and career to educating communities and teaching us how to create positive relationships. Sandra focuses her efforts on victim experience and intimate partner violence and has been a proud victim advocate for, for the past 20 years. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Niluka. This is great. I was just wondering if you could kick us off by telling uh, our listeners a little bit about your journey to today. So I've been an educator for the past 34 years and uh, have taught uh, from primary, junior to adults and, and faculty of education. Um, and, and what's really dear to my heart really is the uh, presentations and workshops that I do that really address the victim experience and that abuser profile. Um, I do have lived experience and so speak from that vantage point as well and have done simulations as well to, for people to understand how what happens in the shoes of a victim. So when I, when I start doing my presentations, I always do this that you know, people say, well, I need to know about the victim experience. I wanna know what, what does the victim go through and I wanna help, how do I get involved? What, what, what's mm -hmm. all that piece, right? But if you really want to change the world, and, I, and, and if you're inviting me here, I know you do. Yes, we do. <laughs> you wanna change the world and your listeners want to change the world too. And they wanna understand a little more about the victim. Absolutely. But, but my statement is this, that if you really want to make a difference is that you really have to start with the abuser. Okay. You have to understand the abuser profile. That's mm. where it, it is. When you understand the abuser profile, you kind of get what the victim is going through in that victim experience. Right. Because, and you notice that when we talk about abusive relationships, right? That there's a big focus on the victim. Right. There's a lot of questions to the victim. It's like, what happened here to you? Well, how did you get into this relationship? What is it about you? that makes you choose these men and why do you stay and and I wouldn't let a man treat me why do you let a man treat you like that so there's a and and the media does that too the media focuses in on the victim the media asks a lot of questions of the victim there's uh, almost blame on the victim a lot of times why didn't you say something right yeah and then if they do say something what happens they don't believe them Right. So there's, there's damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation for the victim. Big, big focus. And when victims end up in court, you've seen what happens, right? Mm -hmm. You've seen mm -hmm. victim experience. So the victim experience really is um, a roller coaster ride. That's what yeah. it is. It's a roller coaster ride. But, but I go back to 
you know, what is it that we have to really know and how to help that victim is that we have to stop making abusers. Right. Start at the source, the root of the problem. Of course. We can understand victims and put services in place and, and, and understand what they need because we, we need to do that. But what can we as a community, can we as individuals understand what that profile is so that we can stop making them? So what, what is it that we have to know? Because if I asked your viewers or, or your listeners or yourself, what do you think a profile of a victim or an abuser is? And, and oftentimes I get someone that you know, has anger management issues or, you know, he feels a certain way or he's always feeling angry or it's just frustrated. And this is, you know, a bad childhood, bad day at work. This is what you think, right? There's always something. And I submit to you that that's abuser propaganda. (laughs) Right. That's, That's what he tells you. Is going on. That's right. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We, as a as a community, say, well, then that's it because he. It must be a feeling thing. It must be he feels angry. And when someone says, "I feel angry," the response is, "What did you do?" Mm. Leads us in the community to ask the victim, "What did you do anyway?" Because that question was asked of me. It's almost like you made him feel this way. So. <laughs> Right. So what, what is that profile? What should we be looking for instead so, of the propaganda? So it's not a feeling thing. Okay. So we're not putting, you know, um, abusers into therapy to take care of their anger management. Right. So this is not a feeling issue. This is, okay. a, this is a thinking issue. Okay. This is different because mm-hmm. now that changes everything. Right. You can That's logic it. That, right. But now we, we can see, oh, wait a minute. This is a thinking thing. What is it about them that they think? So it is um, consistently true, consistently true that abusers have a profile, that they're manipulative, mm. that they are possessive, that they feel entitled. Right. There's, there's not, I'm not saying he's angry. This is a thinking thing. Mm-hmm. He tries to have a really good public image. What yes. happens when they have a really good public image is that we cannot reconcile how someone like that is even possible. Like, how could he ever do such a thing? It's almost like they disarm the victim by having that public profile. Right. And you know what? It works against the victim because mm-hmm. the community can't reconcile, can't believe that someone's so what charming, funny, um, successful, mm-hmm. um, um, good with the kids or, you know, he's a coach or he's a whatever. Mm-hmm. How can that guy do that? Right. That's really hard. That's that's hard for people to accept. But again, like it is consistently true that they have that and, and th- that they strive to have that good public image. And so therefore it's hard and it works against you. And then if they feel justified, right? So as soon as they feel justified, game over. Game over, yeah. Game over because, well, well, you know, you made me do this. It's not like I want to do that, but you know, you are, and then they 
you know, list, uh, there's a litany of things that the victim has done, contributed, has said, mm-hmm. or didn't say, or didn't do. You are, you are. The blame happens. And, yeah. right. and guess what? The victim believes that. The victim buys into that because they are also wondering, what is it? What, what, what's going on with you? So it is confusing for victims, very, very confusing. And, mm-hmm. and, and if you tell a victim that they're a victim, they don't believe you. Right. Uh, uh, and, and you know what? Women don't like to be called victims, okay? That's, that's not their no. thing. Because what we think about victims is that there's a certain weakness about them. And who wants to be, who wants to feel weak, right? Yeah. So what they think is that they're going to try to help. They're going to try to fix. And obviously, because, because the abuser has said so, they have contributed. Well, guess what? The victim's now going to try to fix themselves. So fix themselves, a, not the abuser. Right on. So mm, okay. there's that sort of, um, what did I do to contribute to this? And um, so the victim feels like they, they actually have some power to change him. Mm. The truth is they don't. Because the power doesn't lie in them. The control does not lie with them. And when you refer to the Duluth model, you know, the power and control wheel that you can just Google and you bring that up and you see a wheel. At the center of that wheel, and I'll hold it up for you just to see here because I have it. But when you see that power and control, mm-hmm. at the center is power and control, not feelings. Right. Because that's the thinking component. So they have an abusive belief mentality. Lundy Bancroft is a fantastic author who wrote a book, Why Does He Do That? And he refers to that abusive belief mentality. And he goes through profiles of abusers. There are about nine profiles that he says. And, and okay. and it's, there, it's interesting because the, the title of the book is Why Does He Do That? <laughs> yeah do that yeah and when he talks about the abusive belief mentality that helps us as a community really understand that 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 abuse does not grow from feelings it grows from attitudes and beliefs that is that is a major what major shift in how you think about it yeah it's aha moment yes an aha moment so as a victim when you're in it Yes. It's really hard to see that logic and that more, I guess, scientific way of looking at it because the emotions have taken over and that's, I guess, part of their control over the victim at the same time. Right. So if, if you're in that situation, how would you, um, how would you, what signs would you look for? How would you recognize that profile? I mean, good question because, and, and because when you tell a victim that they're in an abusive relationship, first of all, um, they sometimes victims don't know they're in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They don't know, and sometimes they they rationalize, right? They rationalize the stuff, not abuse mm-hmm. stuff that's yeah. happening in their lives because the abuser is giving the her reasons on why he's being like that. Well, it's her fault. Mm-hmm. So. Um, when you tell you when you tell a victim that they're in an abusive relationship, they 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 
They don't know what it is. In fact, I'm often asked, well, there was one, for example, there's one um, woman that approached me after a presentation and said, okay, he only hit me three times. Oh, wow. Am I in an abusive relationship? Wow. Or he, he, he's very emotionally, you know, really problematic in the emotional domain, but he's never hit me. Mm. So women are trying to understand the community, actually, the community is trying to understand what is abuse. Yeah. Constitutes abuse when you're in it because you don't know that you're in it because it's an you're acclimatizing to your situation. Mm -hmm. Start off like that. Right. Right. You you don't start off with a frying pan over the head. That's not how it begins. Mm -hmm. It's very slow and it is built. Yeah, it builds and the control and and the more that woman resists that control, you up the ante. Mm -hmm. So um, so you try to fix it. And then it's up and down, up and down, roller coaster ride because he gets better. He doesn't. But right. Yeah. Outside, it looks like it's getting better and he gets it. But yeah, goes back. And then there's that kernel of hope. Oh, my goodness, this can change. And so you keep going and you keep trying because you've made some headway, but you're not making headway. Mm-hmm. So so the solution then is this, that. Victims don't know when they're in abusive relationships because they don't have the knowledge. Because the two things that victims need is education. Right. That's one. Yeah. Like education and what? Well, their legal rights and their rights within a relationship. Mm-hmm. And they need to have diminished isolation because victims are really isolated. Right. So what we want to provide for victims is that less isolation, more connection to the community and that education piece, because I see it all the time. Victims, even when they come out of relationships, Mm -hmm. cannot articulate what it is that happened to them. Right. So. How would we then go about it? So as a member of the community and somebody who'd want to help. Um, you see what appears to be a perfect couple. What signs would you be looking for, I guess, from the victim in order to recognize when maybe you want to reach out a little bit and, and offer her, you know, an ear to listen or shoulder or somewhere where she can start to open up and diminish that isolation? As, as you were talking so, about. I mean, your question's interesting because if you're asking her about how to help, it means that maybe you saw something to begin with. Right. I wonder, right? So what is it that you've noticed? What is it that you see, right? And a lot of it is not on the body. So that's what women have a problem with is that, well, I'm not a victim because he really doesn't hit me. And if he does, he pushes me. It's not really that bad. And that, you know, well, I mean, he shoved me, but I was in his face after all. So, I mean, of course he's going to shove me. And you know what? I shoved him back. And all of a sudden, the victim thinks, oh, no, like I'm part of this formula Mm. because he'll say you did it, too. But it's not coercive control. And that's what that's what distinguishes. That's what distinguishes intimate partner violence is that pattern of coercive control. 
So can you tell us a little bit more about coercive control so, and how to define that? So it, it can be made of, up of psychological abuse, sexual coercion, economic abuse, but it's also punctuated with acts of violence. Okay. So when you're looking at this wheel, the power and control wheel, mm-hmm. because when what they do and, and the, the meat of that wheel is what they use to gain power and control. So okay. some looks like this. They use intimidation. They make her afraid by looks, by actions. You've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. They smash things. And then mm-hmm. we think, oh, he was out of control. He's so mad. He's, he's just smashing things. Look at what he smashed. Did he smash his things or your things? Right. Your precious things or his trophies? Mm. It's never never his stuff, right? Never, no. No, so it's it's always going to be your stuff. So out of control, not so much. So he's going to to display his weapons, if you will. You know, he's going to display that just to show you that he can, he's going to punch the wall. Mm. He's going to punch the wall next to your head. Mm -hmm. To intimidate, he's going to, you know, the the, the veins on his head are going to pop because he's going to show you, right? He's he's intimidating you. He's going to, he's going to utter threats. I can do the following. So I can take your kids away. I can leave you financially destitute. I will, you know, all your friends are going to hate you. You'll never meet anyone else. You know what? When you're told that, and you don't know what your rights are legally, and you don't know what your rights are in an, in a relationship, you believe him. Right, and you're isolated on top of that. And you're isolated on top of that. So he's using intimidation. What else does he do? He uses emotional abuse. He plays mind games. Mm. He puts you down. He calls you names. He, he's joking mm-hmm. the propaganda. Right. And and when you get upset because we want to, you know, we want women to speak up in their relationships. We don't want them to be victims after all. But guess what happens? They are told they're wrong. So if you say, I didn't like the way that you spoke to me, the response is you can't take a joke. You are too sensitive. And that makes you feel ridiculous. It makes you feel ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You check and balance with your friends who say he's just having a hard day. It's not as bad as you think. Oh, honey, you need a break. You go to your parents who say, who maybe don't accept the divorce situation or they don't, they want to see you happy. And so they go, well, you know what? When he comes home, leave him alone for a little bit and whatever. So he used... So you speak up, you try to regain your footing in the relationship, but you're told that you're overreacting. Um, You don't know what you see is not what you see. What you hear is not what you hear. What you know is not what you know. Mm. It's a diminishment and a minimizing. They they deny and minimize, which is a massive um, component of their profile as well. What else do they do? They minimize, well, I just said, minimize, deny, and blame. They use isolation. When they can take you away from the friends and family that you gain support from, well, that gives them more control over you. Right, yeah. So what does isolation look like? This is what the the, um, tactic, if you will, is that they start putting your friends down. 
I was saying, oh, that person is is crazy or that person, why would they do that? That sort of thing. Okay. Or, or, or things like, uh, you know, I don't like your sister. Mm. I don't like your sister. You know what? Your family is, you know, you know, when you go ahead, I'm not going to go. Well, I'm not going to go without you. Okay, I won't go. Or they make you late for events. Mm. Or the, uh, <laughs> Little things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. like little <laughs> things that we go, honey, I really want, this is really important to me. Like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'll go but I'm not going to enjoy it. I'll go, but I want to leave early. I'll go, but you know, I'm doing this for you. It's like a big favor, you know? Right. So yes. you don't want to upset him and you don't, you certainly don't want to hang out with friends that he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. Start to diminish, diminish because some of the girlfriend pack that you might have around you are very powerful. Yes. And he doesn't like it. Right. So we'll try to drive a wedge between right. you and whoever you're closest to. They're idiots or they're stupid or they're not funny or um, I don't like them or I don't like his partner. Something around that that keeps you isolated. Yes. What else do they use? do? They use the children. I'm going to take your children away from you. Mm. I will make sure they turn children against you. So this mm. is all part of the stuff that they do to gain that power and control. They use male privilege. Do they have their hands only on the financial? Right. Many, yes, I've heard about that time, How many times have I heard I get an allowance? I don't oh know. Any, I don't know anything about finances, so I, I don't know. So their names are not part of the, um, the some of the, pro- the 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 properties that he's that he's purchased or the cars in his name or the you know the, the certain there's pri- it's privileged like you can't know this stuff mm. so he keeps you isolated from the financial and he has all the power because guess what you're stupid you don't know about finances so that's oftentimes what keeps victims there because he holds the purse strings right and he makes all the big decisions. And that's very powerful if you don't know how to manage your own finances. How are you going to get out there on your own and and start those steps, right? To move on from that relationship. That's a very powerful hold that they have on on victims. And isn't that a credible threat when he says- Very much so, yeah. Yeah. You know, isn't that a credible threat when he says, you will be financially destitute? Yeah. You will believe him. Of course, yeah. And if he says that you don't have rights, you will believe him. Mm-hmm. But if women are informed, because that's what I'm talking about here, that's as an educator, that's, that's, my, that's my thing, that's foundational, is education is power. How many times have we heard that? How many posters is that on? Um, knowledge is power. That's how you get your power back, because those threats are empty when he says you can't have the house. Right. Those threats are empty when he says that money is mine. Mm-hmm. Those threats are empty when he says, I'm going to take your children away and you're never going to see them again. But believe him when he says he's going to hurt you. Mm. Believe him when he says that I will kill you. Believe him when I say, when he says, I will break every bone in your body. Mm-hmm. Believe that. Because that's, that's the stuff that we have to take seriously because those threats may not be empty. Those are not things like if you're hearing that as 
as a, as a friend, as a colleague, as a sister, as a daughter, if you're hearing that coming at you, take that very seriously. So, I mean, what can we do to help our, when we hear these things, our role is not to pluck women out of relationships. That's not our role. No. So, so we need to be present. First of all, we have to listen. We have to validate them. We have to validate them to say what you hear is what you hear is what you see is what, right? So those Mm -hmm. validation is also very empowering. Okay. I remember giving my card to uh, a woman one time and she said, and a year later, a year later, she came to me and said, at a presentation I was doing and said, I've been holding this card in my wallet for over a year, just knowing you were in my wallet. Mm, Was enough. was enough for me mm-hmm. to forward and do the things that I'm doing because I, I mean, I'm not, go, I'm not in the business of breaking people up, I, but I am in the business of informing and validating your, your experience. So that alone was in the, the, what she needed, that validation piece, that knowledge piece, because when she came there, she said, I didn't even know I was in an abusive relationship until I heard you speak. Right. Because that's, that's what's lacking here. That's what's, you know, making all of our blood boil here is that we need to educate our community because mm-hmm. even women do not know what it looks like. So there's a certain, um, I guess there's a level of education that needs to happen in order to get women out of abusive relationships. What has to happen in terms of education to prevent us from even getting to that point? Yeah, I mean, I, I started off by saying I, I want to stop making abusers. So how do we yeah. make them? in what like how do you acquire this mindset? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Where do we where where does it come from? Where where did you get this? So in our culture, in our subcultures, where this behavior is continuously validated and and not held they're not held accountable. Mm-hmm. Look, at, look at what's happening right now. Um, let's, let's, let's pluck it from the headlines. Let's look at Trump. Yeah. Let's oh, do God. it. Let's look at him. How yeah. many women have come out to say that he has sexually assaulted them? Uh, that he has a, a sexually assaulted them. And who, he is the president of the United States. Where mm-hmm. are the <laughs> they? They are, you know, they're not in positions of power like he is in. Right. And and the the explanation is when he when that that big video came out or that big, you know, um, um, touching some women's. And, you yeah. know, yes, I did. When, yeah. that, when that came out, he was just a boy being a boy. Yes. That commentary was awful. Right. That's mm-hmm. frat boy. That's frat boy. That's locker room locker room, room talk, if I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's locker room talk. It's disgusting. disgusting. Let's pick another from the headlines. Let's let's look at Harvey Weinstein, who is, you know, big Mm -hmm. famous um, producer in Hollywood. Powerful. Yeah. What happened there? How can that continue to exist? So what culture, because this is what I'm talking about, like, where does this mindset come in? How 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 is it acquired? Mm -hmm. Uh, It is. 
it is acquired from the, the media. It's acquired from our families. It's acquired from the men that these men um, align with. Because, because boys do not learn their attitudes about women from women. Mm. They learn it from the men in their lives. They learn it from the men that they align themselves with because it's a frat boy, patriarchal type of um, validation that, well, he's just being a guy. Mm. So this kind of mentality, and we see that prevalent in some cultures as well. It's like, this is, a, this is acceptable behavior of a man. Right. This is acceptable. And, and you know, um, obviously she deserved it. And sometimes we have to do that. And, uh, and we see that in our culture, in, 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 in a lot of subcultures. So what I want to do is this, is acknowledge that this is an acquisition of a mindset so that we can stop it there. How do we stop it is by the way that we raise our boys. Mm-hmm. So is it too late for the men that have already grown into this? I mean, you know, once you're an abuser, is it always an abuser? Um, I submit that is very difficult <laughs> um, because they don't admit that they're abusers. There are not a lot of abusers making appointments to uh, not being abuser uh, because it's not their fault. It's not in their head. I'm here to tell you it is in their head, not in your head. Yeah. It belongs to him. Do not go to marriage counseling because it's not about the dynamic. It's about what's in him. Yes. So, so we have to interrupt this acquisition of this mindset to educate our boys to start changing how we raise our boys. Mm-hmm. Because that continues even today in 2020, we continue to hear boys will be boys. Yes. That locker room talk, this kind of thing, or with Harvey Weinstein's um, um, example, is that the people around him were complicit. Yeah, just turned a blind eye, allowed it to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so they're in positions of power. The victims don't speak because if they do, they will they're they're gonna blow their lives apart because they won't get a job, they won't mm-hmm. be and destroy their careers and yeah. Right. So we kind of count on each other to kind of be the whistleblowers. Mm-hmm. If we count on each other to be the whistleblowers, then it is our responsibility to call it out. That's what we're called to do when we right. it and when we hear it. And that's, you know, once we know about it and once we know what it looks like and we can see that happening in relationships, you must call it out. Who do you call it out to, though? That's a very tricky, can get a very, if you're in inserting yourself into someone else's relationship. I or, know. It's not easy. Right. It's so how easy. do you? But, but we see it like. First of all, we see it when we hear it on the news. And if when you're amongst company or with your with your own partner and educating your own partner, that's not okay. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's not yeah. okay. Yes. 
that's not okay. And when you see it in your house with um, other relationships, because you're going to come across, if you have siblings or, or children, or if you have uh, relatives or friends and you see it in with, amongst you, and you will see it by the way, because mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. Um, you are called to call it out and it's not easy to call it out. Yeah. This is something that I've been doing for over 20 years. Trust me, it's not easy. And, and not everyone can get on the soapbox and start, you know, lecturing and doing presentations and stuff. That's not for everyone. But it is for everyone to know what abuse looks like. Mm-hmm. So looking at that power and control wheel. Yeah. And it's also within our power to call it out when we see it. That's not okay. That's not acceptable behavior. And 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 at the very least, to let that victim know that you're there if they want to talk. Because it's not up to, it's not, again, it's not up to us to pluck them out, but it is our responsibility as a community to let them know that you're there if they want to talk. You will listen yes. if they need, if they need um, somewhere to go. If you want to co-plan a safety plan. Yeah. If you want to, you know, give them a brochure of some sort from a local, you know, support system, um, then then that's that's good. But if you throw too much light on someone, you'll never hear from them again. Right. Yeah. If you you dive in too much, it'll scare them away. Correct. Because that victim continues to have hope. That victim is not seeing what you're seeing. That, Mm -hmm. That victim does not know they're in an abusive relationship. And right. if they do, they're trying really hard to hide it. So, so if you're sh- shedding light on it, it, that's very, very difficult for them because they're conflicted. So it's almost like you have to build a, a trust where they know that you're not judging them. There's no judgment involved. You're just here to support. Right. And you know what? It's the other side of that power control wheel is the equality wheel. Mm. And the equality wheel is you know, on, on the other, when you're talking about minimizing and blaming and all the other stuff, what you're going to see are things like respect or non-threatening behavior, economic partnership. So when you see, uh, oh, using economic abuse, instead of seeing economic abuse in the power and control in the equality wheel, you'll see economic partnership. I showed this to a woman one time and she started crying. She was bawling. Oh, wow. It's that it's 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 a it's a deep, you know, deep feeling of what is missing in your relationship. Sometimes showing them the equality reel is enough than than showing them the power and control reel. You know, mm. because you're sure you know. Do you have respect? This is this. These are the rights that you have within your relationship. This is how we inform um, our community of women. This is how we inform is that you have a right to economic partnership. You have a right to respect, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. You have a right to ask for support and trust. You have a right to that. You have a right not to be intimidated, to have non-threatening behavior. When I tell you don't call me a name, you don't call me a name. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, you have a right to, 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 for negotiation and fairness to like a mutually satisfying relationship where there's compromise, 
where there's there's shared responsibility when women see that and can't tick anything off of there they're more inclined to you know accept the other stuff and say okay i'm going to ask for this within my relationship because you know what leaving a relationship is one option it's not a, it's not the option it's right it's our option because we want to see her out of it mm-hmm. but it's because it's complicated why women stay. Very. Every situation is different. Every complexity of every relationship is different and unique. Totally understand that. Yeah. So what I mean, what makes it so complex is the financial. Mm-hmm. The children. The children. Yeah. What about the culture? I mean, if you mm. leave. Yep. Not easy to break up, you know, break up a family. No. Um, you know, if you have, what about your community? And, and even on the higher, on the, even if you're in a higher socioeconomic, because it happens across all, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Right. So, and, and across all cultures and across all uh, socioeconomic levels, but, mm-hmm. but it's harder when you are in those higher socioeconomic classes, because you don't want to bring shame. You don't want to wreck the business. You don't want to bring, because there, there's, there's a lot going on in, in that area too. There are a lot of risks in, in, sure. in there. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, what, what we want to do essentially is, is not get into the trap of always wanting uh, victims to escape their relationship. What we want them to do is know what they need to ask for within that relationship. To recognize what's happening around them. Right. And get them out of that sort of emotional space into a space where they can see logically what's happening. Right. And then the choice is hers, isn't it? Absolutely. Always. Right. Whether they choose to stay and and women do choose to stay sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, it's really, really difficult. We get very angry with victims. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The community gets frustrated with victims and that's why we don't, you know, bring it up because it's like, I know, I know this is happening. What did I tell you? Why don't you just leave? Well, it's not so easy. It's not. It takes a lot of courage to leave, actually. Yeah. It takes a lot of bravery, a lot of courage. And it's it's very scary um, to some women. And what I've heard is that it it's coming out of something that you've always known, especially if you're in that relationship for a very long time. Suddenly you're in all of this new environment. You have to figure things out on your own. You have to do it all on your, it's very, very scary. And some people choose to stay in what they think is a comfort zone. Right. Right. And you know what? It's also um, one of the most dangerous points of that relationship's life is Mm. the line where you are about to leave. If you if you look at some of these cases in um, the media, you'll find that some of these women were prepared to leave, right? And they were killed, mm. or that, um, or they kill themselves too, right? They kill. You're, yeah. if you're leaving me. No one can have you. And then there's a murder suicide situation going on. Yeah. So yeah. That happens, and um, it's really really dangerous. And and that's why shelters, for example, exist so that uh, and 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 have evolved because now they're, we don't know where shelters are, right? Because, yeah. So to keep um, the family or the woman and the children safe, because it's a dangerous, dangerous um, moment in that relationship. Mm -hmm. 
And that's exactly it. They used to, the abusers used to come to the shelters or the families of the victim would come to get them and bring them back. So right. yeah, I've noticed that you, there's no address anymore there's or there's no an office separate to the actual shelter. Correct. Correct. Yeah, correct. Great you, step in the right direction. It is. And, you know, um, you know, to answer your question about what it is that we need to do for them is that um, for women that we see and how, again, I go back to, you being informed so that you mm-hmm. are the best helper possible. Yeah. How, well, how much more can you learn about it? How do you know where the community resources are? Do you know the phone numbers? Do you know about certain, um, for example, there's a hot at the hospital in, in Durham, for example, there's mm-hmm. a sack. Like when you go, which is a dem- or domestic violence and sexual assault clinic there, when you okay. go, they triage you differently when you go to the hospital. Right. So if you present us, like, do, do we need to, as a community, be informed about what's out there so that when something happens, um, we know We're how prepared right so that we don't say i don't know i don't know i don't know it's it's um when we know then everyone knows because what i know has a rippling effect in the community mm. that's such a great point i was actually sitting here thinking i was like i do not know you do not if know i ever had a friend or a family member in this situation right. i don't know where to send them right and you so don't know I, again, right and no. that's what, you know we say is we'll leave them right like that's kind of a natural uh, tendency to say, well, why don't here, let me call a lawyer to get you out of here. And so you get a divorce. Like, yeah. You try and solve it and rescue and pull them out of the situation. It's right. a natural instinct to do for people of you course. love. So of course. Yeah. So when, what happens to me happens to you, what mm-hmm. happens to me happens to the community. Yeah. What happens to me happens to those children. So if that's true, then we have to intervene at all levels Mm-hmm. And that includes, that includes the youth, yep. children, yep. Get, getting this kind of education where they're starting relationships. Yes, in the preteens right. and teen years, yeah. That's yeah. it. What does it look like? But he really likes me. That's why he stalks me. <laughs> he really likes me. He's really jealous because, because he really loves me. Well, why does she buy that? Well, again abuser it even goes back to you know when you were in kindergarten and he's pulling your hair or he pushed you oh it's because he likes you right yeah still alive and well yes it is yeah these myths and this this propaganda is is entrenched Mm. and what i'm trying to do is rattle a little bit of cages here yeah mobilizes people to go i need to learn more about this because of course this conversation can go on for hours (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely it's fascinating but you know if it if it makes you think and if it makes you go i i think i'm gonna go and look this up yeah i mean i'm telling you that in durham region alone there are over 20 some calls a day that are domestic related in Durham region alone. That's over 600 and something incidences a month in Durham. Wow. That are domestic related, okay? Wow, that's, wow. Those are just people that are making the phone calls. Yeah. People that aren't making the phone calls. Which is the majority. In all likelihood. Yeah. So let's, should we double the number? I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying there, this is, this is in our community and, and alive. 
And that and now more so as we are in a pandemic and we're more isolated. Now, the, the, the women can't get on their technology or they're being more um, viewed and they can't get out, if you will. Like they used to have a, a way to kind of um, get out of the house and seek some, some solace or s- seek some support. But now that's not around. Right. So that, right. that's difficult. Um, so, yeah, we have to start with 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 that with the women and 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 men and educating everyone in the community because again what happens to me happens to you mm-hmm. um, and and that's something that we also have to put into our higher education like who are the frontline workers are they mediators they should know what's happening are they lawyers they should know what's happening right are they judges because i want judges to hold them accountable. I want lawmakers. Absolutely, yes. I want lawmakers to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the example of uh, Justice Robin Camp, uh, a judge from out west, who when presented with a victim in his courtroom, she was a young woman who had been sexually assaulted and he said, why didn't you close your legs? Yeah. Why didn't you close your legs? Unbelievable. And he said, you could have told him to F off. That's what he said out of the mouth of those. A that judge of like, these are out of the mouths of someone that we are depending on to hold these abusers accountable. Mm-hmm. Now that's a sexual assault case, but, right. but it's an example of, of how we need to get this education piece everywhere. Right. As everyone plays a part in ending domestic violence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so big takeaway for me is to look up the resources and know that I'm fully armed and and as ready as I can be to help. Mm -hmm. Um, For parents out there, what advice would you have about raising um, not just the boys, but really strong girls too? Yeah, I think, I think we've, you know, we we make he- we make headway somehow with women. We we've changed somewhat on how we approach girls. Like you know, girls yes. can do anything, and you can have yes. empowering them. And yeah, yeah we, I think yeah. we I think we you know are shifting into that, and and we see that. But I mean, we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. We see. We see we see that financial gap. We see economic gaps. We see corporate level gaps. We see, you know, becoming more vocal about women's equality. Yes. Right. And we see, we need political clout. Mm -hmm. You need to see women with, you know, RBG who just uh, passed away, who Mm -hmm. we need to see women, I'm paraphrasing, and, and everywhere that decisions are made. Yeah. And to, um, you know, and, and keeping, and, and that's that knowledge piece and um, helping our, our girls feel empowered by, by, by education and by being models of what good relationships look like, about calling it out to them as well, not just in relationships with the boys in their lives, but everyone in their lives. We teach our children uh, what is appropriate. Um, so, 
that is also in how we're spoken to and that we are called upon to be models of this, of, of how we want to be treated. So it's really critical that we're open and, and, and listen as Mm -hmm. we need to listen. We need to validate. We need to believe them when they say something, we need to believe our kids who are coming to us. These are really important qualities for, for advocacy is to, is to believe. And as parents, it's it's important because you are, you're the ultimate advocate when you're a parent. Absolutely. And what, so it's always very tricky for parents if they, if one of their kids and they're listening to their kids and say their son said something about a woman or whatever the case. And, you know, you sit them down, you ask why and how and how, you know, why would you think that? And here's all the reasons why not. And he says, oh, my friend John said that. And he was just joking. Right. How would you go about or is can you even in? interject and talk to John's parents about that or try to find out or just say, you know, no more hanging out with John. How do you sort of navigate who your your kids are becoming friends with? I know, it's so tricky, right? I mean, mm-hmm. again, um, having knowledge about this is not going to inoculate you from ever meeting anyone. That right. is, oh, no, no, absolutely. Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. but we need to teach our boys and our girls um, what it looks like again what what that is not appropriate behavior that's not that's not acceptable but the boy in your family has to also hear it from the man in the in your family right as who is he who are the male um characters in his world that he's identifying with Mm-hmm. And careful about the media that they're watching, careful about the the games that they're playing, careful about the language that they're using, um, really addressing stereotypes. So we, again, have to be informed so that we know how to interject and how to support. Yeah. As far as going to John's parents and saying, you know, this is what's happening. I think what we can do is only be models and, and call it out when we see it. And if that little boy comes to your house and he's communicating with your son that way, you must call it out. We don't do that here. This is inappropriate talk Fair. and not acceptable in our home. And they might decide that they don't want to hang out with you. Right. <laughs> How dare you? And they're out. Okay. <laughs> he talked like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then when he's using that words, he, he, you know, they second think that, right. They say, mm-hmm. geez, you know, I, I, I'm not allowed to see that at Billy's house. Um, so he may ask his mother and say, why can't I say this? I said that at their house. And maybe that starts a conversation. Conversation in their house. Yeah. Organically Mm -hmm. at their end, you know, I think, you know, we, we need to be informed. That's our best. That's our best ammunition to, to understanding. Because like I said, knowing is not going to inoculate you from ever meeting an abuser or even getting involved in one. But But what that does is helps you to recognize that when it comes up, so that you can see it for what it is. And the recovery, you become more resilient. The recovery of that, mm-hmm. I find that women who don't understand what happened to them have a harder time recovering than those that do understand. Because then they feel blame, then they feel shame, then they right. feel this is my fault, this is, uh, I was complicit, um, look what I've done, and they buy into that sort of excuse. So I think women who really understand that recover more from their relationships, 
even when they get into them, you know, even when they know what it looks like, because I, because you're not, you're going to meet them. Yeah, absolutely. Your friends and they're going to be part of your circle. But uh, again, we're going to um, be informed and call it out and be a steward of that. And people will know, you know, people will know, I, I can't say this in front of you. So yeah. And actually standing up and saying, you know what, that's inappropriate. Like, I feel like in society, we don't really do that. It's like, oh, that, you know, that'll make it awkward. And I don't want to do that. But having the courage and, yeah. and the power to stand up and say something and voice, voice yeah. your opinion on that and, and let them know right. that it's not acceptable. Right. I love you, but that's not appropriate. Right. You know, and, and any more than a racist joke would be appropriate. Exactly. exactly. You know, I, 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 I don't want racist jokes in my home. And if mm. you tell it, I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not listening to a racist joke in my home. That's and right. hey, that's not funny. Don't say that. That's not appropriate. No, no, no. So it's that kind of calling out. It can be, it can be by your, you know, calling it out is by your behavior, by your words, by your actions. This is all part of calling things out. When you tell someone that you're involved in advocacy work, that's calling it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it starts. Yeah. It's not just words. It's what we do with ourselves. It's action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all part of advocacy is, is, you know, really putting yourself out there, getting involved in the community, finding out what's out for resources, be the go-to person for the friends and the people in your life. When they hear you calling out, they're going, "Mm, that's someone I can trust. Yeah. That's someone who knows that's someone I can trust. And to that point, actually, you never know who's listening. Everyone's never know who in that group that is present when you say something would need to hear those words from you. Absolutely. In fact, they're counting on it. Yeah. That's great. They're counting on it because they say, listen, will anybody see me? Does anyone see me? Mm. Does does anyone validate me? Does anyone see what's happening here? And that is the most powerful, powerful thing that you can do for someone's when you can see them. Wow. We're going out to do my research. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be an advocate. It's happening. (laughs) Join me. (laughs) Join. And as you're talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's courage in action. Literally having the courage to stand up and say something and to take action against it, if you see it. Absolutely. I love it. That's our calling. That is absolutely our calling. It's our duty to each other. It is our moral and ethical responsibility to take care of each other. other. I I say that all the time, take care of each other. Yes. Because really what I'm saying is take care of me. Yeah. Take care of me. Yeah. And, and I promise I'll take care of you. You know, that's my promise to everyone that I meet. I, I promise I, I will take care of you. That's amazing. That's beautiful. We're all part of a community. We're all in this together. So we have to be there for each other. Definitely. I love it. Well, that was an amazing conversation. <laughs> I thank you. Um, are there any other uh, words of wisdom you want to share before we wrap up? Wrap up that's, you know what I that that's it I think um we have uh, don't underestimate the power of one mm-hmm. don't, don't ever underestimate um how much change that you can make in the world don't underestimate how powerful your voice is 
uh, or your actions. And to your point, everyone's listening, everyone's watching. And if you have children, they're listening and watching. Yeah. And so um, don't underestimate the power of yourself. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was an incredible conversation. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.